So honestly, it's a bit of a hard act to follow a small group of children, but I'll, um, <laughs> we'll entrust this message to the Lord. So it seems that uh, Christmas is here. You can always tell by the Christmas uh, concerts. <laughs> and um, in the Christmas season, we are really invited to believe, aren't we? To believe in all kinds of things, actually, in the magic of Christmas, in Santa Claus, in warm, fuzzy feelings of happiness. And you know, I have to say, um, I love celebrating, used to love celebrating Santa with my family, with my kids. Some of my warmest memories are of hanging the stockings and coming down in the morning to see if Santa had been here. But the truth is, as magical and fun as all of those things are, um, if that's all we have in Christmas, we actually do miss the true joy, don't we? The truth is Christmas is beautiful and joyful, and it does call the world to believe, but not in magic or Santa, but in a humble little baby in a manger who came to pay the price for our sins and reconcile us to our Father. And instead of finding our inner child to believe in magic, we are invited to come like little children and to come to the Savior and to encounter the real meaning of Christmas, and his name is Jesus. So this week we're in Luke 2, or today we're in Luke 2, and we're really invited by him as we look at the shepherds um, to come empty-handed and to receive his gift of salvation and new life and no true joy. So would you pray with me as we get started? Heavenly Father, um, <clears throat> we just ask, Lord, that you would awaken us afresh to what it is that we celebrate at Christmas. Lord, we've heard these stories all of our lives in some cases, and it sometimes loses its potency that you came like little Santiago, <laughs> like a baby. And so, Lord, we pray that you would open us afresh to that reality today. Awaken our joy, Lord, in what it is you did for us. Speak, Lord. We need to hear from you by your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to just go through the verses, and I'm going to invite you, I'm going to give you three invitations. So first of all, we pick up in um, Psalm, sorry, Luke 2.8, I was in the Psalms, in Luke 2.8, and we read, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Well, in first century um, Israel, shepherds were actually very poor, and typically um, very young and uneducated. They were, they were actually at the bottom of the social scale. And although by this point, being a shepherd was not considered a dishonorable occupation, yet they were considered to be actually ceremonially unclean because they worked around sheep. They worked around their manure and their blood, and there was insects all the time. And so they would have been barred from coming into the temple unless they went through some rituals of cleansing. But... We also notice that they are living out in the, in the fields nearby. So they would be in, in, near Bethlehem in the fertile fields, great pasture land for sheep. But Bethlehem was about four miles from Jerusalem. And so it's interesting, likely these shepherds were keeping sheep for the temple worship. But they were outside of the city. Notice that. They were outside of Jerusalem, the holy city, and according to Jewish law, anything unclean was to be kept and dealt with outside of the city. So there's great symbolism here that these little shepherds 
were unclean outcasts. But yet it was to these men that God sent a special messenger. He sent an angel, an angel appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And to be honest, I'm not really uh, that surprised that these little shepherds were frightened of an angel appearing them to them in the middle of the night. Who wouldn't be terrified? But the um, angel says to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today. In the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The angel is telling them that after all this millennia, all these thousands of years, they have been waiting. God has kept his promise and sent their Messiah. And this is amazing news for the people of Israel who have been waiting so long. But it is good news, amazing news, the best news for all people. Because we all need a savior. (laughs) Because our greatest need is to be saved from sin. Our greatest need is not what we think our greatest need is, but is actually our greatest need is to be reconciled to our Father in heaven. We heard the, uh, the, the ladies tell us this morning that, um, that we've been waiting for the Savior since the Garden of Eden. It's true. Um, we were created for God. We were created for fellowship with him, to love him, to enjoy him, and that is what our first parents had. They walked in the cool of the day. Can you imagine? <laughs> They loved being around the Father, and they had everything they could possibly want or need. Nothing was withheld from them except one thing. God had said to them, you cannot eat this one forbidden thing. And instead of believing their Father, instead of believing the evidence of his love and grace and goodness, they believed the lie of Satan that their Father was holding out on them. And they rebelled against him and took that one thing they were not supposed to have. And God had said to them, if you do that, you will surely die. And that is exactly what happened. The moment they took that and ate it, sin came into the world and they died spiritually and they were separated from God the Father. And they went and hid from him, from the one they had walked in the cool of the day with, they were now afraid of, hiding from him, terrified, They were separated from him. And sin has caused untold misery ever since. Every, all the pain and suffering and brokenness and death in this world actually is a result of sin. It has broken our peace with God, our peace within ourselves, and our peace with each other, and our peace with the world. All we have to do is look around at the devastation in us and in the world to know that Evil and sin are real. And the truth is, we all fall short of what God wants in thought, word, motive, deed. And so we are separated from our Father. Left to ourselves, we hide from him. We don't want him. And God knows there is not a single thing we can do about that. No no matter how much good stuff we do, it cannot bridge that gap between us and our Father, and so he sent a Savior. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and died on the cross. He came as a baby like little Santiago. How sweet to see that baby in the manger (laughs) who grew up to die on a cross to take away that sin and bring us back to our Father, to the one we were created for.
and the first people, other than, of course, his, mo his mother <laughs> and Joseph, maybe, and, of course, Elizabeth, uh, the first uh, people other than them to hear this good news were a group of shepherds. But how could these poor social and religious outcasts go to see their Messiah? Surely, surely if he's a king, they're going to be sent away by his parents, by the guards. And the angel anticipates this. And he says to, the, to them, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lie, cloths and lying in a manger. Now, you'd be amazed how much people argue about exactly what situation Jesus was when he was born. Was he in a cave, in a stable, maybe a home? I think the point is in this reference is that Jesus was, that the fact that he was sleeping in a manger meant he was not born in a palace. <laughs> people don't, rich people don't put their babies in, in, um, in mangers, do they? <laughs> the angel was telling these humble shepherds your Messiah is accessible. Your Messiah is just like you. He is humble. He is poor. He doesn't even have a bed. They have to put him in an animal feeding trough. He is a human just like you. He will be swaddled. Swaddle, a swaddling was cloths that they still, in many places, still do this. They take cloths and they wrap them around the baby, around the limbs and the body to keep them warm, to protect their fragile limbs. His point is, Jesus is fully human. He's weak. He's fragile. He needs to be protected. This is God, glorious God in a fragile baby, meekness and majesty. <laughs> And so the angel was saying to them, your Messiah is not in a palace where you can't get near him. He's not behind golden bars where you can't reach him. He is like you. He is with you and you can go and see him. And he wants you to go to meet him. This humble baby's birth conveys such a message to us. Our God, infinite, powerful God, is approachable, accessible, available. Nothing prevents us from going to him if we will only come to him in humility the way he came to us. And so then it's as if heaven itself could not contain its joy and the veil is torn back and all of the angels, a host of angels begin to sing and just an absolute adoration of the Lord. Their joy pierces the night how could they contain themselves? Jesus has always been the darling of heaven. He may be a little baby, but they know who he is. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And so they worship him and they sing for joy and they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on those to whom his favor rests. Oh yes, this is God's favor on us, sending his one and only son, to become a baby, part of his creation. And so this is such a sign for us of how much our God loves us. We never need to ever think he doesn't love us. He sent his one and only son for us. And he came to give us peace. I don't know about you, but I often don't feel very peaceful. Actually, especially at Christmas time. <laughs> 
I think for many of us, Christmas is, is one of the least peaceful times, if we would actually think about it. We're running around shopping, wrapping, you know, doing everything, lists a mile long, or perhaps we lack peace because of the loneliness of being alone. It just comes to us forcefully. When all around us, music tells us it's the most wonderful time of the year. Or the family strife that comes from going to be with people and trying to swallow our irritation along with the turkey. <laughs> but Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came to bring us peace. The night before he went to the cross, he said, Peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. And when he rose again, the first thing he said to his disciples was, Peace be with you. Peace. Harmony, reconciliation, the absence of strife, serenity. This is what Jesus came to give us. Primarily, he came to give us peace with God, to remove that sin barrier so we could have peace with the one we were created for, so we could be like our first parents and walk in the cool of the day with him and have joy. You know, when we are restored to him, it's like coming home. Back to the one who loves us eternally, unconditionally. Peace with God leads to peace within ourselves because instead of carrying around all this strife, guilt, anger, we can take it, all of it, give it to Jesus who died for it to set us free. We can run free. And this leads to peace with others. We are forgiven, transformed from the inside out, given his Holy Spirit. We have a new heart, new meaning, new purpose, new perspective. We have been forgiven so much. We can forgive others. We can even have the power to forgive what feels unforgivable. And so we can have peace. And so this is what our Prince of Peace came to give us. And so after the angels stopped singing and the curtain closed, the, the shepherds look at each other and they say, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go and see this thing that had happened, which the Lord has told us about. The shepherds respond with faith. They, okay, I'm sure they didn't know everything. I'm sure the Messiah sounds a lot different than they expected. A baby in a manger? What about all the sheep? They left it all, and they just went off to Bethlehem, and they hurried, actually. They were eager to find him. They went, and they searched until they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger, just as the angel had told them. When they searched, they found him. Scripture tells us that we will find God when we look for him. He is not hiding. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock and the door will be open to you. Jesus wants to be found by us. And so when the shepherds found him, they believed him and they worshiped him. We can know that from verse 20 because they returned praising and glorifying God for all that they had seen, which is just as they had been told. You know, later others would come. Wise men would follow a star and find Jesus and they would worship him. But some would not come. The religious leaders refused to even go and look. 
when they found out that their Messiah had been born in Bethlehem, less than five miles away, they couldn't even be bothered to investigate. They were too proud, uninterested, preoccupied with getting ahead in the court and the politics of Herod. They didn't go and meet their Savior for their eternal loss. But the shepherds came, insignificant men by the world's standards, with no status, no wealth, nothing to offer, nothing in their hands but desiring hearts, and they met their Savior. And after they had seen him, they went and told everyone. (laughs) They couldn't stop telling everybody. They were so filled with joy that their Messiah had come. They told everyone, and everyone was amazed Just actually, what is amazing is that the first evangelists were shepherds. (laughs) Insignificant men, like I said, but yet no one is insignificant in God's eyes. He wants all to know him. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. We all have nothing in our hands at the foot of the cross. And he calls all of us to tell, no matter who we are, just like one beggar, just like them, one beggar telling another beggar, where to find bread. And they were so overjoyed, they couldn't stop. They told everyone, you know, I don't know about you, if you have a new baby in your life, a new infant or a grandchild, are you embarrassed to share about that baby? (laughs) No. You're like, can I show you pictures of my baby? (laughs) Oh, they were so filled with joy, they wanted to tell everyone, and people were amazed. So I have three things I want to pull out of this for us. Okay, three invitations. First of all, in these verses, we see that we are called to come and see. Luke wrote his gospel, wrote these verses so that we would read it and see it and believe it. But we need to come to our Savior the same way as the shepherds, in humility, with empty hands. Because as Edith reminded us a few weeks ago, When we're so full of ourselves, when we have so much of ourselves, there's no room for God, right? So we have to admit then that we are sinners. We have to come in humility. That takes a lot of humility because what it means is admit that we cannot do anything ourselves. We can't work hard enough or earn hard enough or do it. No matter amount of good deeds is not going to get us to the Father. We have to come to the point of recognizing we are We have empty hands, and then we can go like those shepherds with empty hands and receive the greatest gift we can ever receive, Jesus, Jesus, forgiveness and new life. And we do not have to wait to clean ourselves up to come to him. Do you notice that those uh, shepherds, they didn't say, well, like, hey, hang on a minute, I have to go home and have a shower and get fixed up before I go to see Jesus. They just ran to Jesus, right? They hurried. Jesus is so accessible. I said that earlier. He is accessible. We do not have to wait to clean up. We can't clean up anyway, so let's just be honest. And, you know, no matter what we have done, even... Before we know Christ or after, Jesus knows and understands, and he invites us to come to him with all of it, all of it, bring it to him and give it to him. 
And so today I ask you, will you come to Jesus with empty hands and receive all that he has for you? If you have never understood the significance of that baby in the manger before, today will you come like the shepherds and receive him? Tell him you believe in him, you want him. There's no formula. Just tell him you want him and he will be found by you. He came from heaven for you. And if you already know him, are you receiving all that he has for you? Or are you filling your life with so many things that you have actually lost your joy? I have to ask myself that question on a regular basis, actually. Jesus came to bring joy, to bring peace. Are we experiencing that? Can we be at peace resting in the truth that he has done it all? That there is nothing more for us to do? That he rejoices over, with us, uh, over us with singing? That we have everything already? Can we be at peace by leaning on him for, for the power to live our lives? I believe if we can do that, we will have joy actually and we will have peace. So that's our first invitation. Come and see. Our second invitation, go and tell. <laughs> go and tell. That's what these shepherds did. They met their Savior, and they were so filled with joy, they just couldn't stop talking about him. And all who listened were amazed. And they were not, like I said, they were just kind of shabby little young people that didn't have much about them. So we do not need to hesitate to go and tell we don't have to worry about the words, as we were told earlier. It is the power of God that will do it. You know, um, Charles Spurgeon said the gospel is like a caged lion. It doesn't need to be defended. It just needs to be let out of the cage. <laughs> Let's let it out of the cage. Let's let the gospel do all the work. All we have to do is open our mouths, tell people their Savior has come. So go and tell. Third thing and last thing, sit and ponder. Sit and ponder. Do you know that that's what Mary did? It says here, um, she treasured everything up and pondered them in her heart. She meditated on them, thought about them, encouraged herself in them, delighted in them, delighted in the truth of this Savior in a manger. And we are invited to do the same. Invited to stop running around like chickens with our heads cut off. <laughs> stop and be still and know that he is God. Think about him. Meditate on him. Delight in him. Open his word and listen to him. Look for his evidence, his fingerprints, his activity in our lives. And find joy. I honestly think this is the answer to the peace and joy that we need at Christmas, to stop running, start sitting, and look at Jesus. And so I began this morning talking about believing, and I want to end with a song that invites us, just a few lyrics, we sang it already this morning, invites us to believe in and worship Jesus. Oh, holy night. I'm so delighted that it was sung this morning. I didn't know it was going to be sung. God always puts together these mornings for us. 
He wants to invite us to fall on our knees, to worship him, to praise his name forever, his power and his glory forevermore proclaim. And so this Christmas season, will you and I come empty-handed and fall on our knees and worship the one who was born to save us? And will we go out and proclaim his name, his power, and his glory forevermore to all who will listen so they can also meet their Savior? Let's pray. Lord, human words really cannot encapsulate the majesty and the glory of you coming as a baby. And so, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, Help us to see this in a new and fresh way this year as we come to celebrate Christmas, Lord. Help us to see what it is. Help us to sit and ponder and help us to have true joy and peace. And help us, Lord, to tell others, let us let that tiger out of the cage. <laughs> we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.